0: What is Jesus claiming when he says I am the good shepherd? What is Jesus claiming when he says I am the good shepherd? Like each one of these seven I am statements here in John's Gospel, what Jesus is ultimately saying with each one, and today as good shepherd, his claim is that he knows what you and I need, and he is the fulfillment of that need. What Jesus is claiming with each one of these I am statements and today by saying I am the good shepherd is I know exactly what you need and I fulfill that need. You see, we long to be shepherded. We long to be led. We long to be guided, to be comforted, to be protected. And yet the problem is, so often, we are stuck with inadequate, not faithful, and sometimes far too often wicked shepherds. Those who lead, those who guide, but do so poorly. It's kind of like the particularly cruel drill sergeants who says to one of his privates, he says, well, I suppose after you get discharged from the army, you'll be waiting for me to die so you can come and spit on my grave. And the private says, oh, not me, Sarge. After I get out of the army, I ain't never going to stand in line again. (laughs) We suffer under so many poor leaders. And yet Jesus says here in verse 11 of John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. See, the problem is that word good in English doesn't really contain what Jesus is getting at. right? We think in terms of good, bad. But in Greek, there are two words for good. The one is the word agathos, where we get the name agatha. And that's kind of like upright good, morally good a good person, a good moral person. But the word that Jesus uses here when he says, I'm the good shepherd, is the word kalos, which means a goodness that is beautiful, that is excellent, that is genuine, that is praiseworthy, a goodness that is noble, an outstandingly good thing. Jesus, when he says, I am the good shepherd, is claiming to be the uniquely, wonderfully, beautifully good shepherd that we've all been longing for. I'm it, he's saying. I'm the one. And what he's claiming in this is that you and I need precisely what he offers. We need his shepherd's call. We need him to speak over us and give us guidance and leadership so that we don't get lost. But not only does he claim that we need his shepherd's call, he's also claiming that we need his shepherd's care, a quality of care that only this good shepherd can give, a kind of care that we would see from no other shepherd, no other leader. But not only does Jesus claim here that we need, you and I need his shepherd call and his shepherd care, but also he's claiming that you and I need his shepherd commission. That it's not enough for him just to shepherd us, but his intention is to make us to be shepherds like him for the sake of the world. You see, first, he's claiming that you and I need his shepherd call. We need to hear from our shepherd. Even today in the Middle East, if you were to visit and see a shepherd in action with their sheep. The shepherd's call is incredibly powerful. It's an amazing phenomenon to behold. There's an eyewitness account here that in the evening, a number of years ago, being in Gilead in tents, suddenly that evening, six or seven different flocks were brought into the one camp for protection. And in the morning... Instead of the individual shepherds going out and having to separate each of their flocks manually, instead each of the shepherds stood at a far point beyond the tents in different directions and then uttered their own unique special shepherd's call. And immediately the sheep and the goats were on the move, spreading in each direction, following after that unique shepherd's call, their shepherd's call. And within five minutes, There was not a single sheep or goat left in the camp. These shepherds know the voice. These sheep know the voice of their shepherd. Jesus says in verse 3, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all out, all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. The question is, do we as sheep know the shepherd's voice? I remember before caller ID was a thing, that when I would make a phone call, depending on how familiar the person was I was calling, I'd have to introduce myself in different ways, right? They didn't have caller ID. So if it was a complete stranger, I had to give them my full name and title and basic reason for calling. Uh, This is the Reverend Paul Donison calling from Christ Church Plano. But if it was an acquaintance, I could drop a bunch of that and simply say, first name, last name, this is Paul Donison phoning. But if it was a friend or a family member, I could say, this is Paul. And if it was my wife, Monica, I could just say, hello, because she knew my voice. And she could do the same with me. We knew each other's voice as intimately. This is what Jesus is saying about the relationship between him as the shepherd with his sheep, that we know his voice in an intimate way. And we come to know Jesus' voice intimately as we hear it often, as we hear it daily and hourly, moment by moment, as we are reading and studying God's word. He has spoken to us and it's contained in his word it's incredible how quickly we go astray isn't it I know in my own life whenever I've gone through a season where I haven't been actively listening and hearing and devouring God's word it's amazing how quickly I become the worst version of myself I begin to get dull and deaf to the shepherd's voice and I go astray and there's an example of this actually in scripture an incredibly powerful example see back in ancient Judah there was a moment a whole generation where can you imagine they lost the bible literally Judah had become so corrupt in Israel as well that they had lost the bible they had priests, and they had kings, and they had prophets doing all their business, but there was no word of God. And then Josiah, the good king, arose. God grabbed a hold of Josiah's heart, and in Josiah's reign, they discovered again the book of the covenant. In the temple, the priest comes and says, O oh, king, look what we found. And they begin reading it. And begin to see how far astray they've gone in one generation just listen second kings chapter 23 beginning at verse 4 just listen to the description of how far off this whole nation went in one generation of not listening to the word of god of not having the shepherd's voice and the king verse 4 second kings 23 verse 4 the king commanded hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the threshold to bring out of the temple of the lord all the vessels made for baal and for asherah and for all the pagan hosts of heaven he burned them outside jerusalem in the fields of the kidron and carried their ashes to bethel and he deposed The priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offerings in the high places at the cities of Judah and around Jerusalem, those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, and to the moon, and to the constellations, and all the pagan hosts of heavens. And he brought out the Asherah from inside the house of the Lord, outside Jerusalem, to the brook Kidron, and burned it at the brook kindred and beat it to dust and cast it on the graves of the common people. And he broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes who were in the house of the Lord where the women wove the hangings for the Asherah. In one generation of not having God's word, the entire nation went astray. Are we so different? We need to hear the shepherd's call. As J.I. Packer says, disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded as it were with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul. And yet the word is very near to us it's not far off, right? As we read Scripture, as we study Scripture, as we participate in the liturgy, which is Scripture structured for participation, as we hear sermons and teaching of God's Word, we are hearing the shepherd's call to us. Do we hear his voice? As a preacher, it's one of the most Amazing parts of this calling to have people, after you preach, tell you things like this. You were speaking right to me. No, I wasn't. God was. You have clearly been reading my journal. No, but the Lord knows it all. You have installed surveillance cameras in my home. But even better is when after a sermon, one of you all comes up to me and tells me about this thing that I said to you that meant the world to you. And I realize pretty quickly, I don't think I said that because you're hearing the shepherd's call. It's the shepherd speaking to you through his word because he is determined to lead us to good pasture. He's determined to lead us to life. Verse 8 of chapter 10. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep did not listen to them. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. We desperately need to hear the shepherd's call or we go astray. But not only is Jesus claiming that we need to hear his call, but we also need to hear his shepherd care and understand, in fact, what this care is that he offers to us. It would be a lifetime of sermons to unpack all the ways that God cares for us as a shepherd. The Bible is so full of this metaphor, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's everywhere that it would take a lifetime of sermons just to even scratch the surface of all the amazing ways that God cares for us as a shepherd cares for his sheep. But one does rise above all the rest. One aspect of how he cares for us rises to the very top and it's, Verse 11, if you read the whole of it, I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the care. This is the ultimate care that is being offered to us by this shepherd. See, it's interesting. In the ancient Near East, the shepherd would be able to protect the flock, first of all, with his staff, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, right? It can be that shepherd's crook that we see often with our bishops as a symbol of that shepherding. That crook can you know, grab a sheep that is wayward, maybe spank a sheep that's wayward, but also ultimately that staff is about fending off the wolves and the predators. But not only does the shepherd have the staff, the other means by which an ancient Near Eastern shepherd would protect his sheep is with his very own body, You see, at night when they would bring the sheep into the sheep pen, after all the sheep were carefully looked at and cared for as they were coming through the sheep pen, the shepherd then would lay his own body across the entrance of the sheep pen. That is where he would sleep so that he has placed himself between all the predators out there and his precious sheep In here, the shepherd's own body is laid down at the entrance of the sheep pen to protect them. Suddenly, we begin to understand when Jesus says in verse 7 of our text, He's not just the good shepherd, He says, Truly, truly, I am the door of the sheep right? Seven I am statements of Jesus. We're doing two of them today, right? We're doing the door and the shepherd, but really it means we're doing the shepherd because the shepherd is by nature of being the shepherd, the door, the door of the sheep pen is the shepherd's own body. See this phrase for John, I lay down my life for the sheep is unique to John. He comes back to it again and again in his gospel and even in 1 John, his letter. And what he means by this is he's pointing ultimately to the cross. He's saying, look to the cross and see the care that your good shepherd will give to you. That like a good shepherd, what John is saying is the final enemy that is gonna come at his sheep, at every one of his sheep is that enemy of death. And so this good shepherd, uniquely, alone, unlike any other shepherd, lays his own body down in the face of that enemy death. The good shepherd sees the enemy of death coming, and he lays down his own life in between for us, on our behalf. As Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. The punishment for our brokenness and our sin and our rebellion fell on him. I lay down my life for the sheep. That's the care that he gives. But here's what's even more amazing. More amazing than the fact that he lays down his life for the sheep is that he lays down his life for the sheep even after he gets to know who the sheep are. He lays down his life for you and for me, even after he knows the depths of who we are. Even though he knows our brokenness, even though he knows our sin, even though he knows our rebellion, even though he knows how often we will run away and wander from his good care, even knowing that, he still lays down his life for you and for me. See, verse 14, again, he says, I am the good shepherd. But listen, listen to what he says. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. He links it together. He's saying, I know you to the depths of your being and I still will die for you. We say it at the beginning of our liturgy. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known from you, no secrets are hid. And those words should give us appropriate pause. God knows everything about you, and He knows everything about me. And even so, He lays down His life in love for us, His sheep. For a few years, my brother was in what's called close protection detail within the military in Canada. And this means, for those of you who don't know what close protection detail is, is when you've got a government official, a a, a leader within the world, or a high-ranking general, or a celebrity in a hot zone like Afghanistan or Iraq, uh, you'll send a close protection detail, kind of like the Secret Service, with the president to walk and guide and protect, even to the point of putting themselves, their own bodies, in the way of the bullets to protect the one they're protecting. And in one sense, it's interesting having had a family member do this kind of work because the experience of being a family member is thinking, well, okay, if it's a government leader, like the leader of a nation, I, I, I can get my head around that and maybe, you know, a high-ranking official, but, but a celebrity? Like I, have, I, I truly over these years struggled to know, you know, if my brother has to take a bullet for Justin Bieber, I'm not sure how happy I'll be about that. but so it is with us when we consider our salvation. I mean, it's one thing for, for God to lay down his life for you know, the best of us, but for us? Knowing who we are to lay down his life, that is the definition of love. As Romans 5 says, God demonstrates his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As C.S. Lewis says, He loved us not because we are lovable, but because he is love. See, what Jesus is claiming when he says, I'm the good shepherd, is he's claiming that I need his shepherd's call to to keep me from straying, to keep me on the path, and I need his shepherd's care to rescue me from all the various dangers, most especially that final danger of death. And we'll look at that next week when he says, I'm the resurrection. But finally, Jesus goes even further and claims that I need his shepherd commission. You see, in verse 16, Jesus says this interesting phrase. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. What he's saying is that there are more lost sheep out there They're not right in front of him in that moment with his disciples. And in just a few chapters, he's about to go to his death and glorious resurrection and then ascension into heaven where he's seated on the throne of heaven. And so the question will be, how then will he be gathering those lost sheep? And his answer is two different words he speaks before his ascension. His answer of how he's going to gather these lost sheep is through two statements at the end of John's gospel. John chapter 20, verse 21, on the evening of the resurrection, he says to the disciples, first of all, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. As the Father sent me into the world, in the same way, to the same depth, I am now sending you. It should give us absolute pause to consider that Jesus is sending us into the world just as the Father sent him with a mission to share his gospel with the world. That's shepherding question number one. The second is in the next chapter, chapter 21, verses 15 to 17, there's Peter and several disciples after having breakfast with the resurrected Jesus He pulls Peter aside. Yes, Peter, who has denied him three times, asks him three times if he loves him, which is essentially Peter's opportunity to repent of his threefold denial. And after each time Peter says, I love you, what does Jesus say to Peter? He says, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. He is instituting Peter, this epic, Epic failure back into his role as a shepherd. You see, the same Jesus who says I am the good shepherd is now in the business of sending shepherds into the world. Yes, let's be clear, he's the only unique, truly good shepherd, the chief shepherd. None of us can lay down our lives for the sake of the world, like he can, but we can shepherd and lead and guide those in our spheres of influence more and more modeled after the way he shepherds us. That's the point that his shepherding is not just to be something that we receive, but his shepherding is then something that we in turn give the way that we lead the way that we offer guidance in this world. And don't think for a minute that you can sit here and say to yourself, well, I don't really fit that category. You know, there's no one in my life that I lead. Every one of us, regardless of who we are or where we are, has someone who is following us, who we are influencing, who we are guiding in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our schools. There is always someone. Think of that person right now. That is a person that God has given you to lead to shepherd. And his intention is you would shepherd more and more as you've been shepherded by Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Verse 4, he goes on, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Jesus, the chief shepherd, now sends you and I as his under shepherds who will be recognized as his under shepherds because our shepherding looks more like his. His. Let me be clear on one thing. The fundamental thing we learn from Jesus shepherding us is that we are to shepherd the sheep he gives us not because those sheep are worthy but because the sheep are his. I'm going to say that again. The fundamental thing we learn from Jesus shepherding us is that we shepherd the sheep he gives us not because they are worthy but because they are his feed my lambs take care of my sheep feed my sheep in Canada we have something called Chapman's ice cream it's kind of the blue bell of Canada and Chapman's had a fire in 2009 and their entire production plant burned to the ground. And the same day of the fire, the Chapman family's lawyers showed up and said to them, say nothing to your staff. Don't make any promises because we've read the insurance policy. Just take the insurance check, dissolve the business and you are set for life. But David Chapman, the same day of the fire, addressed all 350 of his employees and said, we are not dissolving this company. We are going to rebuild. It will take months with no production and therefore significant losses. And not a single employee is going to miss a paycheck. And you're not even going to miss your Christmas bonus. And Chapman ice cream rebuilt. And they took incredible losses. But interestingly, a year later, they were 20% higher in the market share because people like me and others heard this story. Now, you can't ship Chapman's ice cream to the U.S., so I'm learning to love Bluebell. (laughs) What does your shepherding look like? What does my shepherding look like? Jesus is claiming, when he says he's the good shepherd, that... He is the uniquely, wonderfully good shepherd we've been longing for. And he's claiming that you and I need his shepherd call, that guidance, that leadership, his very word that will teach us again and again how to not stray. That we need his shepherding care. We need all the care and protection he gives us most, especially at the hour of our death. He alone can lay down before that enemy. And how we so desperately need his shepherd commissioning. We've been longing to know what life is about. We've been longing to know how I find meaning and value in my life. And it's as I lead those in my sphere of influence more and more in the power of the spirit by hearing the word of God, more and more looking like Jesus, the good shepherd. His way is the best way in every way and every circumstance. My lambs, my sheep, feed them, take care of them. But perhaps you may feel very far from the shepherd today. Through disappointment, through bad choices, through rebellion, for all kinds of circumstances, you may feel like you've strayed a lot. And in moments like today, you may remember your shepherd and wonder where he is. And the gospel is, that he's right here. He never stopped following you, searching for you, desiring to bring you home. As Jesus says so famously in another shepherd passage, Luke chapter 15, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it, and when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing... Jesus is speaking of himself. When you and I stray, he is on our heels. If you feel far from him, he is not far from you. Stop fighting. Let him take you into his arms. Let him carry you home if need be. And let him make you like himself. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, so I know my sheep and they know me. And I lay down my life for the sheep. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.